last week we talked about idols. And we talked about how things that we really can become addicted to. We're not talking about drugs and alcohol and pornography and some of the big ones. Some things that we can become addicted to that we don't even realize we're addicted to end up taking the place of the, the rightful place of worship in our lives instead of God. And we looked, at, we looked at the Ten Commandments, if you remember, if you're here last week, and we looked at just the first two. God said, you should have no other gods before me. And he says, you, have to know, you should have no carved images. And, and we learned that when God says there's no other gods before me, that he didn't mean like he's number one and then everything else is two, three, four, five, and six. That what he meant is I don't want anything else in my presence. I don't want anything before me, in front of me, around me. And I said for the next four weeks, and tonight being the first of those, we're going to look at four things that that sneak into our lives, that can cause us to become addicted, that cause us to become idol worshipers. That's, that sounds like a, a heavy word, but it is. And we don't even know it. And tonight we're talking about the God of appearance. It's not something that, like in the Ten Commandments. It's not a carved image. You don't have the God of, uh, of good looks that you know, you've carved out. Now I'm going to go worship that, that God. That, that doesn't happen. So it sneaks into our lives. We don't realize how important to us it is. And I want you to understand this. It's, we're talking about a global issue. There's a guy named Zed Nelson. He did a book called Love Me. And he did his book. It's a lot of pictures and some stories. After five years of traveling the globe, and he was studying and researching the way people around the world saw beauty and what they would do to become beauty. And some of the things he tells in this book are crazy. One of the things that he found was in Manhattan, in New York, in America, that there were some ladies that he came across that were having their toes surgically shortened. So they were going to a doctor to go underneath the blade to have their toes shortened, and not only shortened, but they were having pins put in them so they hold a form for this reason. Not because they were having problems walking, not because like the second toe was you know, two inches longer than the other toe, not, just normal people like you and me, but they wanted to be able to fit into Jimmy Choo stiletto heels. Because they wanted to get into a, a famous set of high heels that a famous fashion designer made. They were having their bodies mutilated so they could fit into it. And here's my thought. And I know I'm not a girl. I'm thinking if Jimmy Choo is such a fantastic designer, he ought to make some good-looking shoes that fit people. I mean, that ought to be like normal, right? I mean, that, that ought to be the expectation. In China, he came across people who were using a procedure that was medically supposed to help people who suffered from dwarfism, but there were people who were just short and they wanted to be tall. And so they were going underneath the knife, and they were having their shin bones cut and a brace put in between because the shin bones could, not always, sometimes it led to deformities, the shin bones could grow up to three inches, and they would become three inches taller through that surgery and that difficult process. Because I want to be taller, I'm going to go under the knife and have some major surgery done to both legs that may cause me not to walk again. He discovered in his, in his research that a lot of the world actually wants to look like you. They want to look American. All kinds of different continents. In Africa, he found people who were Africans that wanted to have their skin lightened so they would look more American. In, the, in, in Asia, in China, he found people who were having surgery done on their eyes so their eyes would be more round like Americans. In Iran, he met ladies who walked around with bandaged nose because they wanted a, quote, American nose. In South America, we're going across the globe, there were, there, there were surgeries and some procedures done so that people, ladies, could look like Barbie. What he found is this. In Japan, when he wrote this book, Japan was at an all-time high of people suffering from anorexia. China used to say that beauty pageants were spiritual pollution, and now they're mainstream. 
And then this research for our own country that blows me away. 30% of people in America who have cosmetic surgery, facelift, breast augmentation, whatever the case may be, 30% of people, three out of every 10, make, make less than $25,000 a year. They live below the poverty line. And what that tells us is there are Americans, three out of 10, who would rather have their, their stomach tucked, their eyes changed, their breasts larger. They'd rather do that than feed their kids or pay their bills. Because we worship at the altar of the God of appearance. And it's not just girls. I mean, there's guys. They got to have the right clothes and the right shoes. And they spend as much time trying to get the hair just perfectly set before they go off to school as any girl would. And there's guys that, that, that are in the gym, and they're not in the gym because they want to be healthy. Anybody your age thinking about healthy? You get old and fat like me, and you start going, oh, I got to check cholesterol numbers and get healthy. Some of, them, some of the guys are in the gym because they play a sport, and the coach is asking to get stronger. But some of them are in there because they, they think the more muscles I have, the more attractive I'll be. And the more attractive I'll be, the better my life will be. That's what the God of appearance lies to you. Here's how the God of appearance lies, goes. He whispers to you, your life would be better. You would be happier if you just looked a little better. If you were just a little bit more handsome, a little bit prettier, your life would be so much better because you know what? If you, if you had this set of clothes, if you could afford this name brand, you could hang out with this crowd of people over here, the popular kids, and if you hung out with them, your life would be fantastic. All you need is a couple of pair of jeans that cost $100 more than your parents are willing to spend. Or if you were just, if you were just a little prettier. I mean, if your hair didn't look like a rat's nest by 3 o'clock in the afternoon every day, if you didn't have a mole or a zit or something, if you, just were, if you were just the picture of, of perfection, you would have guys and girls chase. You'd be the one that everybody wanted to ask to prom, that everybody wanted to ask out. You'd be the one that everybody talked about. And you know what the lie is that Satan whispers to you? Is that that matters. Because you know what you're ultimately saying if that's the way you think, and you don't think it consciously. Some of you now are going, man, I think I do that sometimes. What you've said and validated is this, that your worth, and your value is based on what a bunch of 14, 15, 16-year-olds think about you. The same ones that can't pass algebra. And what they think about you determines your perspective of your own value, your own worth. And, and the God of appearance, I mean, he's compelling, he's attractive, he's charismatic, and he whispers to you and goes, this really matters. And teenagers, not just teenagers, there's adults, trust me, all of those numbers I gave you, those were adults that are spending the money to do that stuff. It's adults, but he's whispering to you that your, your value is determined by what people around you think. And because of that, we sacrifice for, I keep using these phrases, and we pursue the God of appearances because we think it's going to make our life better. And it won't. It never does. Here, here's the bottom line. Here's the truth. If you're going to write anything down, write this down tonight. Because this is, this is God-honest truth. No one. No one ultimately wins the appearance game. Nobody does. No one ultimately wins the appearance game. At some point in your life, the muscles are going to start sagging. At some point in your life, you're going to start getting wrinkles. At some point in your life, your hair is going to turn gray. Driving in the car this week, 
My wife's next to me, and she's got, like, beautiful brunette hair. doesn't have any, like, I don't see gray or anything. She doesn't color her hair. But she's driving. She's like, oh, my goodness. And she pulls the hair, and she's like, this whole thing is white. And I just, like, shook my head. I was like, at least you have it because it's falling out for me, you know. Yeah, right? I mean, at some point, yeah, I, I, I said this the other day. I'm at the barber, and they get done cutting my hair, and they hand the mirror. And I'm looking at the mirror, and I ask the barber, I was like, what would you do back there? And he goes, I didn't do anything. It's just falling out. It's just no one ultimately wins the appearance game. It's impossible. I'm going to tell you, this is the truth. You'll see this 20 years from now. You're going to get on. It won't be Facebook or Twitter or Instagram. It'll be something different. But there'll be some social media platform. It'll be like some kind of hologram or something like that. And you're going to, you're going to see that person. This is, this is real life. I graduated high school a little over 20 years ago. I have Facebook friends I went to high school with. There are, there are quite a few, and I'm talking girls, Quite a few girls that were cheerleaders, captain of cheerleaders, that every guy was like, man, she is, she is beautiful. And now, 20 years later, the nicest thing I can say is that time was not good. I'm like, good Lord, she's like 60. The rest of us are 40. Like, how did, how did that happen? And guys that used to be like the, the quarterback of the football team, I'm like, wow, he's like the left tackle now. Like, you know, I think he ate the running back and the center because he's like, 300 pounds. I mean, it's like, no one, I can say, I said, my, my hair's falling, I'm fat too. It just happens. No one ultimately wins the appearance game. It's impossible. And yet we're going to try. You know, in America, we spend $20 billion, that's a B, $20 billion on gyms, gym memberships, workout facilities. We spend another $20 billion on the weight loss industry. We spent $8 billion on cosmetics, ladies, and $11 billion on cosmetic surgery. That's nearly $60 billion laid at the altar of the God of appearances. Now, let me say this. We're going to look at a passage of Scripture. If you've got your Bibles, you can turn to 1 Peter chapter 3. You can use your table of contents. You can use uh, the Bible on your phone, the Bible app. It's loaded in there. It's near the back. Looking good is not a sin. Looking good doesn't mean you're not a worshiper. Having nice hair or nice clothes, wearing cologne or perfume, wanting to, you know, look attractive, that, that is not, that's not a sin. That doesn't mean you're an idol worshiper. I hope you get up in the morning and think deodorant, good. You know, gel, hairspray, whatever, good. You know, I, ho- I hope so. But there's this line, as in most, with most of these idols, where the gift that God gives us becomes the, the thing that we worship. We stop worshiping the giver, and we start worshiping the gifts. And there's this line that all of a sudden, it's not about looking good. It's about sacrificing for and pursuing after my looks and my appearance because I think ultimately in the back of my mind, we'd never say it consciously, I think ultimately in the back of my mind, if I look this way, I'll be satisfied. If I look this way and wear this, people will like me and life will be better. And God would tell you tonight, that that is a game that obviously I told you already ultimately doesn't pay off and it won't even satisfy you now while you're young. I want you to look at 1 Peter chapter 3. Peter's the guy that walked with Jesus and after Jesus died and resurrected, Peter wrote a couple letters to some churches. 
And in 1 Peter 3, he's talking to husbands and wives. And so we're going to look at a passage of Scripture that is specifically written to girls, but the principle is for guys too. So guys, don't check out. I'm going to come back around and show you what the principle is for us and where else we find it in Scripture. But 1 Peter chapter 3, look at verse 3. But ladies, you really need to lean in. This ought to be something you underline. This ought to be something you highlight or something and you come back to because it's very practical instruction from the Bible. Peter says, do not let your adorning be external. Do not let your decorations, don't, do not let the way you present yourself be about ex- external things, what's on the outside. And then for them, he says, the braiding of hair and the putting on of gold jewelry or the clothing you wear. Now again, the biblical message, ladies, isn't like if you've got your hair braided tonight, you don't have to like secretly start unbraiding. That's, that's not the point. <laughs> like, uh-oh, crap. The, the, the issue, in that day and age, women would would braid their hair up and get it real. I mean, it was to, to draw attention to themselves. You know, braided hair now isn't attention. It wasn't those days. But the principle is your hair and your jewelry and what you wear, he says, that shouldn't be what you present to people. But verse 4 says this, but let your adorning, let what you present to people be the hidden person of the heart with the imperishable beauty of a gentle and quiet spirit. That word imperishable is also translated incorruptible. It means it doesn't fall apart, it doesn't get old, it doesn't get wrinkled, it doesn't get rusty. Peter says this, he says, ladies, what you're presenting to people, what you should be concerned about, isn't what you, what you wear and what you look like. So stop worrying about if your hair is perfect, stop worrying about what you're wearing. For them in their day, stop worrying about the gold jewelry that says, I'm somebody. And he says, and start focusing on your heart. That's what he says. Because that is imperishable, it's uncorruptible. As you get more wrinkled, and as your hair starts falling out or turning gray, as your body starts getting worse, your heart and your character is what keeps getting better, or can. And so Peter says, stop wasting your energy on things that are perishable, and start focusing on things that are incorruptible and imperishable. He says, your heart, be, have a gentle and quiet spirit, be a lover of people, and then he, look at this. And this, this is what hits, hits us so hard today. Which, is, which in God's sight is very precious. And Peter would almost ask us, who are we trying to impress? Are you trying to impress that guy over there, that girl over here, by your external adornments, by what you're wearing and the way you look? Is that, is that what's really important to you? At the end of the day, are you trying to live your life for and impress this guy or this girl that more than likely when you graduate high school and go to college, go into the workforce, you'll never see again? Or are you living your life to impress God, who hopefully, if you're a follower of Jesus, you'll spend an eternity with? I mean, to me, it makes sense. If I'm going to be in an eternity with God, I want to spend my time impressing him. And Peter says, if you want to impress God, here's what God finds that's precious, your spirit and your heart, the way you treat people, the way you love people, that you're gentle with people, that you're not loud and abrasive. Everybody look at me, but you have a quiet spirit. It goes about loving God and loving people. Now, guys, let me say this to you. There, there's, well, there's two things we'd kind of come up. One thing that, that some girls or maybe some guys are thinking right now is this. That sounds great. I'm all in. When I get 60, I'm going to start worrying about my heart. To that point, I agree. It's a futile hope. I mean, I'm not going to be looking good. When Peter writes this, he's writing to some ladies who are believers and their husbands aren't. These ladies want their husbands to love God. They want their relationship. You can imagine a new Christian in, in this day and age where Christianity was not Bible Belt Christianity. 
Christians have been killed and murdered. And this lady's a Christian, and she wants her husband to be a Christian, but there's probably disconnect in the relationship. She's chasing after Jesus. He's chasing after pagan gods. And Peter says, you know what? I know you want to be loved. I know you want your relationship to be whole. I know you want your marriage to be all that it is. But you know what? You won't find a great marriage. You won't find a great boyfriend. You won't find a great girlfriend by presenting the exterior of the external. It's about the inside. So it's not about when you're 60. It's about when you're 16. It's about right now. Being a person of character. You know what that means? When you live in a culture and a world that worships the God of appearance, you may or may not have a boyfriend or girlfriend in high school. But you know what I will do everything I can to just about promise you? You'll find a husband or a wife that matters and is a long-lasting relationship and loves you for who you are. And one day when you're not as attractive as you are now, they'll love you more than they ever did because they fell in love with your heart and not your face. Because they love your spirit, not your body. And that gets better over time as we chase after Jesus. Here's the second thing, though. Guys, hear me when I say this. Our issue is we go, okay, this is, this is a good one. No braided hair, check. No gold jewelry, check. Watch what I wear. I would be just as content to wear my workout clothes to school or wherever I could, check. I'm good. But it's not just about that. The principle is true. What appearance are we chasing after? Now, I'm not going to go and read you the story because we read it in a series not too long ago. But if I take you back to the Old Testament, to the times of a guy named David, King David, if you remember the story, there was a prophet named Samuel and God called Samuel to the house of Jesse. He said, Samuel, go to, the, to Jesse's house because the next king of Israel is in Jesse's house and you're going to anoint him. And so Samuel calls up Jesse, sends him an Old Testament text, says, I'm coming over, get the boys out because one of your sons is going to be king. And they line up and the oldest one's there and the oldest one's thinking, man, it's going to be me because I can whoop all of these guys. And I do it. I beat up my little brothers all the time. And Samuel walks up to anoint the king, goes up to the big, strong, tall, oldest brother and God goes, it's not him awkward. Goes to the next one. It's not him. It's not him. And it's not him. And it's not him. We're getting down to like the 14-year-old God. This is getting weird. It's not him. He gets down to the last son of Jesse, and God goes, no. And Samuel goes, what's the, wait, I don't understand. What's the problem? You told me that there was a king coming out of the line of Jesse. I just saw all the sons, and you said no to all of them. And Samuel looked at Jesse and goes, is this it? And Jesse goes, well, no, I got the youngest one. I mean, we didn't invite him to the party. I mean, he's like, he's He's out watching the sheep. I mean, he, we didn't invite him. Samuel says, go get him. They bring in David, the young, ruddy boy, and he walks in. The Spirit of God goes, that's the next king of Israel. And in that, in 1 Samuel 16, God says this. He says, and I'm paraphrasing for you. I believe it's verse 7. You can look and check later. God says, I don't, I don't look at people the way you look at people. I don't look at their appearance. I look at their heart. And you know who David replaced as king? A guy named Saul. And King Saul, according to Scripture, was head and shoulders taller than everybody else in the land. Saul was like the John Cena of his time. I mean, he was, like, I mean he, he, was, he was the guy, and God replaced him because his heart was broken with a little scrawny guy who couldn't do anything, wasn't even invited to the party because his heart was right. So guys, let me tell you this. God does not care about if you can flex both your pec muscles or not. God doesn't care about what your squat is, what your deadlift is, what you can bench. He cares about a different muscle, and it's your heart. And ladies, it's true for us. No one ultimately wins the appearance game. So I want to give you a few things tonight, and then we've got to head out here. We're going to play boxes in a second. I want to give you some thoughts. Now, 
If you're wrestling, I asked you last week to pray. God, start shining light as we talk about these things. Are these things me? If you're going, hey, I think I might wrestle with the God of appearance. I'm not sure. I can see some traits. Maybe this is a dangerous sign. I want to give you a few things to think about. This Holy Spirit might give you a whole other application. I just want to give you some things to grab a hold of, some handlebars to go, hey, maybe this is something that I can do to take some steps. But here's the first thing I, I want you to do. I want you to realize that what you see isn't real. I mean, you saw the video at the very beginning. What you see isn't real. There's a young girl I got to look at her name, Julia Blum, 14 years old out of Maine. Some of you might have heard this story. She's, she's in ballet class. She's a ballerina with a bunch of other girls who are in ballet class. You know what a ballerina looks like, right? I mean, they're like all muscle, and like they're, they're usually thin. Like if the wind blows real hard, they get taken away. You know what I mean? And all these ballerinas are talking about how ugly they are and how fat they are and how they need to lose weight. And Julia's looking at him like, you guys are insane. Like all of us together don't even weigh 100 pounds. Like, you know, why are you talking about your fat? And they start talking. Here's what they discovered. They said, they, they realized that, you know what? We, keep, we compare ourselves to magazine covers and we compare ourselves to actresses who, who have professional trainers who, who work them out for hours on end so they can get the correct body type for a role that normal people don't do. And, and then photoshopped. And so Julie Blum did this. She started a petition where she went to Seventeen Magazine, and she asked Seventeen Magazine that, that they publish one photo in every issue of a girl that hadn't been photoshopped. And at the end of the week, she had 25,000 signatures. About two months later, she and her friends were in front of the Seventeen Magazine with signs, boycotting Photoshop, with 85,000 teenage girl signatures. And Seventeen Magazine did this, and kudos to them. They said, they said, we will not agree to your demands of one photo of a girl unphotoshopped. But we will agree that from this point forward in our magazine, we will never Photoshop another picture of a girl. Because they realize that most of what you see isn't real. Most of what you see is not normal. The magazine cover the actress is not reality. They've been doctored up. So you need to remember that. Because the truth is, no one ultimately wins that appearance game. Here's the second thing I want to suggest maybe you do. In a very real way, monitor your mirror time. If, if this is something you think may be an idol for you, get your phone out or something and put the stopwatch on. See how long you're in front of a mirror during a day. Maybe just the morning. How long does it take you to get ready? And how long does it take you to get out to go for the day? And then here would be an interesting social experiment I'd love to see. Compare that amount of time to how much of time you spend in God's Word. Hello. You in front of the mirror more or the word more? I'll tell you, tell you a lot. He'll tell you if you're more concerned about what you reflect to other people or if you're concerned with reflecting Jesus to other people. That, that'll tell you. Monitor that mirror time. Figure out, and maybe and some of you go, well, listen, I still, it takes me time. I mean, it takes me a while. Okay, how about redeeming that time? How about being that time in front of the mirror where you start practicing memory verses? You can start with Romans 1.25. We pass it out to you about this series. Maybe it's in front of the mirrors where you go, hey, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to get a prayer journal out and I'm just going to write things down. I'm going to pray through things as I get ready in the morning because I want to redeem my mirror time to make sure it's not an idol. I want to be talking to Jesus. Now, when I go to the rec center, go to the Gold's Gym, I, I always take an iPod with me. I use that time. Trust me, the God of appearances is not my God. I think we're all aware of that. Even still, I've got the podcast of leadership stuff to redeem that time to make it moments worthwhile. Monitor your mirror time. Here's the third thing. 
Consider a wardrobe overhaul. Here's, here's, the, here's how you know. Here's how you know if, if the God of appearances is, is moving into idolatry. Go to your closet tonight and go to your favorite set of clothes and go, okay, I'm going to get rid of them. And that feeling, as you gauge it, will tell you, because here's the deal, listen, from somebody, now I've got, I've got idols in my life, that I'm, God of appearance is not, I don't think there's anything in my closet. Like, okay, sure, somebody can have that, I'll give it away, and I don't care. So here, here's something to think about, and you need, if you do this, you need to do this with your parents' consent, because the last thing you need to do is go throw away $4,000 worth of clothes, and be like, Mom, we got to go shopping now. And here's the deal. Well, let me, let me tell you what, what, what Satan will do. Here's what the God of appearances will do. He'll cause you to rationalize. And here's, what, here's, here's how you know. You'll be standing in front of your closet, and the God of appearances is going to whisper to you a rationalization, and he's going to go, you know what? Just from now on, we won't buy any more things like this. From this point forward, I won't. You know, I'm going to keep this stuff, but I won't do it. You know what? Next time you go buy stuff, this, this message will be long forgotten. If you worship the God of appearances, because you'll be there at his altar every day and you'll forget about it. You know what the Israelites did when they had a carved image in their land? They kicked it over and destroyed it. When there was an altar to another God, they toppled it and they said, we're going to get it out of our closet. I'm not saying go throw away your clothes, but I'm saying if you wrestle with the God of, the God of appearances as an idol and your clothes matter to you, your appearance, if you go, I could never get rid of that. I'd start shaking thinking about it. Maybe the best thing for you is not to rationalize next time, but to get to the idol out and give it away now. And that would be hard. And if it's hard, maybe God's shining a light on an idol. Here's the last thing I want you to consider. Make why your defining mirror question. What I mean by that is this. When you're getting ready in the morning and you're putting on clothes, why did I pick this? You're putting makeup on, why am I going to this extreme? When you're working out, why am I working out? Because that will help you identify if it's an idol or if it's healthy. If you go, I put this on because it looks nice. Great. If you go, I put it on because I want so-and-so to like me, and they said I really look good in green, so I'm wearing green. It'd be a question. Make why the defining moment. Why am I doing this, and what, what am I doing here? Colin's going to come up in a second. I want you to see this. I'll tell you this quote. I never got to see the movie 12 Years a Slave. And put it up there because I can't even pronounce this, this young lady's name. Can you put that next slide up so I can just point to it? A slide of 12 Years a Slave. Next one. Uh, her name is Lupita Nyong'o, I think. I don't know how to pronounce it. Close. Grew up impoverished. She, she won the Best Supporting Actress, I believe, for this movie. And she tells her story. She's an actress now. But she tells her story, grown up poor, very, very dark skinned. And she said, I always wanted to have lighter skin. And she said, I used to pray. I used to pray that God would make me lighter. She said, I used to bargain with God. And she grew up, she said, I, I, I made promises to God. God, if you make my skin lighter, I'll stop stealing sugar cubes from the kitchen when they were poor. And it never happened. She never got lighter skin. She said this, and this is what caught me in the article. She said, but I've all, she said, my mom used to tell me all the time, you're beautiful. And she said, that doesn't count, right? I mean, when your mom says, hey, you look really good, some of y'all go change clothes at that point, right? Moms are supposed to think you're beautiful. Dads are supposed to think you, you're, you're, you're good looking. 
I mean, I've seen babies before that, you know, like, I look at the baby, I'm like, huh. And the mom's like, beautiful, isn't it? And I'm like, sure. I mean, that's supposed to be the way it works. But she wanted other people to think she's beautiful. And here's what her mom said. What I want you to walk out tonight with was this, that no one ultimately wins the appearance game. If you're to write something else down, you need to write this one down. A quote from her mom. She says she remembers all of her life. Her mother told her, you can't eat beauty. You can't eat beauty. Beauty won't feed you. Man, I don't know if she understood Peter and if she understood the heart of God, but she encapsulated in a sentence. Beauty will not satisfy you. The God of appearances, no matter how muscular, how good looking you are, you'll be unsatisfied when it's all said and done. Just like any idol, there's a temporary fix, but it goes away. Gave you some, some ideas of what you can do if you wrestle with the God of appearance. But let me suggest this to you. Some of those things are secondary. Because there's some of us. Beauty is not, God of appearance is not in, in battle with Jesus. It is our Jesus. You don't have a relationship with Jesus. You've never actually understood that you could be satisfied in your life. That, that God who created everything loves you. And get this. You've ever seen a waterfall, the Pacific Ocean? You've ever seen some things that God created? God's in the business of creating some beautiful things. And after all that creation, Genesis 1 and Genesis, first chapter, Genesis tells us this. After God created everything, he said it's good, all those beautiful things. And he looked at you, he looked at humanity, and he went, that's very good. God sees you as more beautiful than anything he's created. That's who you ought to be pursuing. And if you've never come to a point in your life where you've said, Jesus, I want you to be boss of my life. God, I want to be a worshiper of you. I want to give you an opportunity tonight. And we'll probably do this throughout the series because we're talking about idolatry. It's very serious. God God doesn't want it. God says, I want to be the person in your life. If you want God to be the person in your life, not sacrificing for and pursuing things that are empty, I want you to pray with me. I'm just asking you guys all to bow your head for a second. Man, if you're there tonight and you need you, I just want you to say, Jesus, you can pray in your own, in your mind. You don't say that loud. Say, Jesus, I'm a sinner. Say, God, I've made appearances what I worship. Jesus, the way I look has been more important to me than anything else. And tonight that changes. Say, Jesus, I want you to come to my life and change me. I want you to forgive me my sins. I believe that you died and were resurrected and lived today. Be boss of my life. Let me ask you this. I just want you to keep your heads bowed. I'm not going to embarrass anybody. I just want to know, if you prayed that prayer tonight, you asked Jesus to come in your life, would you just throw your hand up real quick? I'm looking. I want to encourage you to do this. You can put your hands down. If you want to take, here's what's going to happen. Satan is going to whisper to you, don't do it. It's scary. Everything's going to change. And you know what? He's partially right. Everything is going to change. Here's what I'm going to do, though. I'm going to grab one of these winter retreat brochures that I've got. And I'm going to get a pin up here in one second. 
And I'm going to ask you to do something a little bit uncomfortable because some people might see you do this. They might see you come up and write your name in a way to contact you down on here. So we can set up a time next Wednesday or this Sunday or sometime in the next week, week and a half, where we can sit down and talk a little bit more about um, this decision you made and what comes next. If you're too afraid to do that, I'll tell you this, following Jesus is harder than this. That's easy. Following Jesus is hard. If you don't want to follow him, understand it. Maybe you just need to do some business with God. Here's what I'm going to do. We're running low on time, but I've got about five minutes to do some announcements of game. And before we do that, though, I want to ask you to do this. I want you to take 60 seconds. I'll call in place. Some of you just need to talk to God. You are a believer. You are a follower of Jesus. But the God of appearances has been wrestling for a place of worship. And I want to give you a chance to talk to God about it. 60 seconds ago. announcements and a game. Here'll be the real test if you really want to follow Jesus. The moment will be gone. There'll be no awesome guitar strumming behind. The emotions of the moment will disappear. Following Jesus has never been about emotions. It's about discipline. It's about being a disciple. So at the end of the night, this paper will be up here. There's a pen. You write your name and a way for us to contact you, whatever's best for you. Let us know it's a moment. If you want us to text or call, you can do that. If you raise your hand, I'll be very honest with you. I don't have you picked out. You're not gonna, I'm not going to come track you down. Between you and God, if you're ready to take the next step, you will. I'm going to close with some prayer. Zach, come on up while I pray so you can tell us what's coming up. And then we'll do some announcements. God, I sense that tonight your spirit's moving. That you've revealed to us that some of us have been worshiping at the wrong altar. Guys, it's going to be very easy for us to walk out here tonight and forget all about it. Come back on Sunday to our small groups and talk about it. Feel convicted again and forget all about it again. God, some of us need some real change. You said no other gods before you, and we need to get this idol out of our life once and for all. We need accountability. We need mentors. We need people. And God, I pray that you'd raise people up in this church to do that. That you give people courage to ask and to talk and to continue this dialogue this weekend in our small groups. God, we pray for freedom. We thank you for the freedom that you delivered tonight. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.